This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU bands everywhere. Wednesday, January 20th. Wherever and however you're connected, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with a guy who shows up at work every day just hoping he might get a free car. Oh, yes. Uh, It would be fun to have one, right? Last night, uh, Mark Pope tried to hand out free cars, uh, you know, unbeknownst to the producer. (laughs) Here's what happened. So we're going straight Oprah Winfrey today. Every single... Member of the guest audience, get the free car! I can't believe this is happening. A new car for you! I can't believe this is happening. And for you! A new car for you, our good friends at Kit! Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. There's nobody here. No fans in in, in the audience this year. By the way, that wasn't an Oprah moment just now. It wasn't? That was a Popra moment. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) JK, we knew. Uh, But, yeah, we look forward to the day when we can have... uh, you know, fans back in there. I, I really missed them last night. I, I saw a picture on the side, um, you know, in the hallway, and I was like, oh, yeah, people used to show up to this show. With no masks When on. we didn't have a pandemic. So, uh, yeah, Mark, always up for a uh, fun idea. That was his idea. That was great. Inauguration day. Hey, inauguration day in America. Hey! Might as well give people free cars, hey! right? Big day, historic day, right? Historic day. Uh, first uh, female vice president, yeah. multi-ethnicity. Yeah. It's great. 2021. Let's go. Hope everyone across BYU Sports Nation is uh, safe and healthy, for that matter. Your show lineup may not include uh, a free car, but it does oh, feature knows? Mark Popra's BYU basketball team and their push for the NCAA tournament. The first appearance in what would be six years. Are the Cougars going to earn a single-digit seed? Who does College Hoops Insider Joe Lunardi have BYU playing against in his projected bracketology, plus how Zach Wilson may just have broken Pro Football Focus's grading sheet and why he may become Broadway Zach. Bring on today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Game Day Eve is men's hoops returns home for the first time in a month against Portland. Mark Pope is stoked. Will literally be exactly one month. The last yeah. home game we had was on the 21st of December. So there's that, it, it's oddly, there's that little anticipation of, of how's it going to feel to be back in the Marriott Center. Uh, but certainly we'll take that. We're excited to be here. I know the guys are excited to be home and, and, um, and we've got huge games coming. Portland has lost 44 of the last 45 against West Coast Conference competition. That's really bad. I'm, I was just told that. Pre-game begins on BYU Radio tomorrow, 8 Eastern, and then the game's on CBS Sports Network as well. ESPN bracketologist, college basketball insider Joe Lenardi has BYU matched up against North Carolina in okay. a first-four play-in game for the NCAA men's basketball tournament. Lenardi adds on Twitter that he is, quote, very high on BYU and that they could very well be underseeded. end quote. Then seed them higher. The NCAA announces the... Men's March Madness schedule. The entire tournament will be held in Indiana, starting with the first four games on Thursday, March 18th. First and second round games will be held March 19th through the 22nd, followed by Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight games being held from March 27th through the 30th. The final four is on Saturday, April 3rd, National Championship game for BYU against uh, you know uh, Baylor. 
and Oregon Zaga is Monday, April 5th. Didn't BYU play Wisconsin in the national championship projection last year? <laughs> the projected tournament because that became a thing. Yes, when there were no sports, we had to look to simulations. Ugh. Former BYU quarterback Zach Wilson, second overall to the New York Jets in the latest CBS mock draft. Ryan Wilson of CBS Sports says the following, quote, This could just be a placeholder until the Jets send the pick to Houston in a deal for Deshaun Watson. But okay. for now, New York targets Zach Wilson as its next franchise quarterback, end quote. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Single and ready to mingle in the NCAA tournament bracket. BYU basketball rolling after a rare Bay Area road sweep in West Coast Conference play. Now 11-3 overall, number 31 in the NCAA's net rankings. And keep in mind, at this point last year, BYU was number 39 in the net. Jerem, is BYU pacing for a single-digit seed in the 2021 NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament? Well, uh, let's assess where they're at. So they are a double-digit seed in a couple spots, the Athletic and ESPN's Joe Lenardi, um, 11s. And then, uh, what, Andy Katz and Fox Sports have them as uh, like a 8 or 9 seed. So all I want for BYU is literally to not be the 8 or 9. If you told me they were like, because uh, no, no team like BYU gets to be like a 15 or 16. BYU was a 14 one year randomly. If you told me BYU was anything but 8 or 9 and then not 15 or 16, I'd be fine with that because it's about matchups. And the goal for BYU is, one, to get there. Would have been there last year, of course, but haven't been there in a minute um, since, what, 2015 now? So, uh, yeah, get there. Don't be an 8-9. Ken Palm says BYU is going to win basically every game besides Gonzaga. And maybe one other, right? Um, so I think BYU could go on a tear here and be in a position to do so. But I'm less concerned about uh, single-digit seed and more concerned about don't be 8-9 because mm. it's a 50-50 game, which is better than being, I guess, a 7-10 if you're the 10. But I, I, I just like a matchup. And this season, BYU's really got to do it differently. Last year, BYU could hang with probably anybody the way BYU shot the three and had star power. This year, it's like, oh, BYU's got to be able to rebound and play defense against the other team. Not only is the 8-9 guaranteed a tough matchup because you're splitting hairs, but there's some PTSD there related to BYU basketball because BYU has not fared well in those games in the NCAA tournament. Probably not for this group. None of those people were involved at all. Just saying. I'm I'm saying that factors into why fans are like, I don't like the 8-9 game. BYU lost to Texas A&M in the 8-9 game two times in a row. They lost to Xavier in 2007 in the 8-9 game. And Professor X Xavier later. That was different. It just, And if you think about it, the play-in games are kind of the same deal because you're matched up against a team that is supposedly the same skill level as you. Well, that... That's not even my biggest concern. It's that you match up with a one after that, if you win. So if like things go really well and you win, it's over. You're playing a one. But BYU hasn't even gotten to the stage where they could take on a number one seed. Yeah, It just hasn't happened. They haven't I'd, gotten through the 8-9 game. I'd love to be an 11 more than an 8-9. I'd love to be a 10 because you're playing a 7. Right? You see I'd love to be a 12. 11s and 12s in the Sweet 16 way more than you see yeah. eight nines in the Sweet 16. And like 12s, it's like 50-50 that you win that game. It's really it's really weird. 12 is always like Stephen F. Austin, and they make like 
13 threes and beat Iowa or whatever. Yeah. I, I just don't want to be an 8-9. So I don't really care whether it be a single digit. It's just matchup. And this year is going to be even more interesting because location doesn't play a role in any of this. None of it. There will be teams from Indiana that are playing in, in Indiana. So maybe BYU matches up with uh, Butler or something. I don't know. But, no, it's about, like, I'd rather be, like, a 12 than an 8. BYU is going to have to rely on the metrics of other teams that they have played against and or beaten to help them move further up the net rankings. I don't know how much more BYU can do, control their own, you know, destiny. I think they can do a lot. Well, they if beat they, Sa- if well, they beat, they beat everybody Gonz- by Gonzaga. Well, that's the thing, though. Like yeah. they beat St. Mary's. St. Mary's is kind of tumbling now. Uh, last I checked, they weren't even a quad one victory on the road anymore. Yeah, they. I mean, they had a tough start. They had Gonzaga and BYU in the first three, and they lost to Santa Clara. Okay, so those things are not helping. They still have to play San Francisco. They got to come to Provo. So what is St. Mary's going to be? And will they even be a quad one? Yeah, that's that's the thing. So BYU's going to need some help so that they can bolster their resume to jump up more in the net. Like I hope BYU is a top twenty-five team in the net rankings by the end of the season. Ooh, if they are, be nice. then yes, they're going to be a single-digit seed. BYU. Last year, you can people, be in the 30s. Think about single. how good BYU was last year after beating Gonzaga. There were some people that had BYU as a seven seed after a win against the number two team in the country and after how well they had played. It's so tough when you get to that level to go higher than a seven or a six. So if BYU is right. a single-digit seed, it, it just doesn't feel realistic to put them higher than an eight. So I'm with you. Be a 10 seed. Be an, be an undervalued team like Joel Lenardi said. They may be underseeded. Great. I am all for that. Yeah, I don't really care. I just want to get in the tourney and then... I don't want to be a playing game, though. It'd be fun to win a game. Uh, uh, At this point, I don't really care if it's a playing game or not. Yeah, see, I think BYU can do better than that. I think that they can earn better than that. Yeah, I mean, if BYU rips off all but Gonzaga going into Then they will be probably a a single-digit They they won't be a playing game. They'll be way in the tourney. Yeah. Yeah. They'll right, be like 10 spots in the top. Right now, they're the fourth to last team in the bracket. They're just barely in the play-in scenario, according to Lenardi's bracketology. Yeah, and he's not as high as, as most people on BYU, which is interesting. It's interesting that Fox Sports, team rankings, they have BYU as a single-digit seed already with their resume. Yeah, Bracket Matrix has BYU at 9. Yeah. yeah, if BYU can get St. Mary's to bump up to that quad one category and have a third quad one win, and that statistics stay the whole way. And then maybe, oh man, it's going to be tough to do anything in the West Coast Conference against uh, any team other than Gonzaga in, in the quad one ranks. That's why BYU earning yeah. that road win, the road wins at St. Mary's and San Francisco were so huge. And San Diego State and Utah State staying right around in the 40s. Like Utah State's San doing Diego BYU State, some huge favors. San Diego State fell out of the bracket uh, from Lenardi, which is shocking. But it still counts as a quad one victory for BYU. Right. Right, and uh, should be because it was true road. BYU went out here, and again, I'll repeat this till the end of time, till the rapture. Uh, basketball scheduling is way better than football for me because you're actually rewarded for playing tough games. And Mark Pope joked, "This is a schedule that gets you fired." Mm. And BYU went to San Diego State, went to Utah State, went to Uncasville, and uh, played the Johnnies in USC. Right. So yeah, BYU, BYU played, uh, hosted Utah at home. Um, whatever at home, home games against good teams that aren't quad one or whatever because it's one through <laughs> twenty five is a quad one. Like basically, it's Gonzaga and that's it at home for BYU. Right now, BYU has thirteen games remaining on the schedule. We crossed the halfway point. 
and they have 11 victories already. But only 10 of those count towards yes. the net rankings. Yes. BYU played Westminster to open the season. That's D2. It doesn't count. But BYU played its 13th game, by the way, Saturday, which means BYU officially qualifies for consideration yes. in the, yes. the NCAA tournament. Team rankings has BYU getting to the 21-win mark and giving the Cougars a 95% chance to make the NCAA tournament. So if BYU goes 10-3. and three, Yeah, which I think is realistic. 10-3 and three in the remaining hey, 13. Loss, maybe another one or two. That's what they're saying, two. Then BYU would be 21-6. and six, And according Going to the team into rankings, Vegas. have a 95% chance of being an at-large team even before the West Coast Conference tournament. Yeah. I'll be I think sh- BYU can do better than that, Jeremy. I think BYU could very well go 11-2 and two in the final 13. Yeah. I think they so can one, do that. Yeah, one game more. They've already accomplished. They've already gone through the toughest stretch of conference play already. Yes. At Gonzaga, at St. Mary's, at San Francisco. Bang, bang, bang. There won't be a tougher game or tougher stretch, I should say, yeah. in the remainder of the WCC schedule. There won't, no. And, and BYU's been away from home, right? BYU's going to be able to play Pacific and St. Mary's, uh, you know, on a Monday, Thursday situation at home. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Pacific jumping out nicely, 5-1, and 2-0. They haven't played a ton, but... Yeah, could they sneak in? Could they be St. Mary's and sneak in and be a quad one victory? Because right now, I think mm. they're 75. They're 75 in the net. Ma- interesting. Mainly they because they have that. a low volume of games. I, I think w- once they play more games, can they keep that with the WCC? Yeah. WCC has more top 100 teams than they've had in a while. Top 125 as well. The only really, really like bad, bad team in the league is Portland. BYU's next opponent tomorrow. Everyone else is uh, decent. pretty good. Like at least a threat. I would say, yeah, I would say everyone's a threat to BBYU except for Portland. Portland, there's like no way. Oh, don't jinx us! They're so bad. Get out of here. Okay, so here are your current, and these have just been updated, by the way. The net rankings. So uh, BYU was 31 yesterday. They're, oh, I can smell the freshness. They're 34 today. Gonzaga 2, BYU 34. Gonzaga's not even good anymore. They used to be 1. And then there's an interesting stretch. St. Mary 79, Pacific has dropped to 82, San Francisco 84. There are three teams right on the cusp the quad twos. of being quad 1s yeah. if BYU beats them on the road. And BYU has already beaten two of those teams on the road. Well, if BYU beats them, they go down. Ah, that's the thing. It's like, <laughs> that, yeah. Like, yeah, the given. You want to win, right? but you want them to be quad one as the well. The give and take of that. Uh, here, here's the good news, though. Did we feel like BYU was going to be in this particular situation through 14 after the first couple games? I'm not sure I did. Like, when BYU got blown out by USC, I wasn't thinking, BYU's going to be 11-3 and three and in the tourney. Like, BYU's done a nice job of adapting this situation. And look, this is still a work in progress. BYU's 10 deep right now. They had a different game plan last week. Jason and I talked about it yesterday. The coaching job by Mark Pope and his staff have been tremendous to say, you know what, we got to evolve this or make this different for individual matchups. And BYU just went and did what last year's team didn't do. Win at San Francisco and St. Mary's. Win ugly, Jerome. How about that? With defense. I like it. Win ugly with Steve defense. Steve Young still thinks BYU needs to pass and shoot threes, but... A win count all the same. As ugly as they are, it all counts the same. Style points matter, and BYU did blow a Ken Palm opportunity to help themselves at the end of the San Francisco game by allowing Shabazz, uh, Khalil Shabazz to make four threes. BYU would have been higher in Ken Palm. They would have. Defensive efficiency. But anyway. Shabazz. I knew I should have picked that guy to score the most points in that game. <laughs> he had 30. That's what he does against I didn't BYU. Even, I didn't know he had 30 until the show. I was like, he scored 30? I had he no idea. He scored 32 the year before. That's what he, he averages 31 against BYU in, He's the in Eddie, San Francisco. the Eddie Johnson of the Rockets to the Jazz. <laughs> Our question wow. of the day. 
Speaking of BYU basketball, if the Cougars were to make the NCAA tournament, do you care what seed they would be or is just getting in enough? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Sean Larson 03 answers on Twitter. He says, that's like asking, as long as BYU is nationally ranked in football, do you care what rank they are in the top 25? Like rankings in football, how high your tournament seed is a validation on how good your season was. So, of course, it matters. Well, to me, there's a little bit of a difference there, Sean, in that I kind of just, did you make the tourney or not? And then if you're discussing how good the team was historically, I go, well, let's look at seeding. Let's look at winning in the tourney. Dut, dut, dut. But the, the, the mark of success on a season for BYU basketball is did you make the tourney or not? And there's rarely a season where we say, yeah, that was a good season, but BYU didn't make it. It depends if you're rebuilding or not. Like when BYU went to the NIT Final Four twice in a, in a span of a couple of years, it's like, okay, that was, that was nice. That was good. Uh, you could argue it wasn't good enough, though, because this program is too good to say, yay, when you don't make the tourney. Because you know who does? would say that every other team in the West Coast Conference besides the big three, the other seven, would be like, dude, we made the tourney. That was amazing. Or we made the NIT Final Four. That was a great year for us. It's like for BYU, not necessarily. Making the tournament, awesome on all accounts. But for me, there is a distinction of being a first four team compared to just in the tournament. And I'm hoping that BYU is validated for what they have done and will do by not having to play in one of those first four games. I'm not quite there yet. Though. There's a Be- distinction there. I, yeah, I feel you. But, not, but since BYU hasn't made it since 2015, I'm not in that position. And right. I hate that that is technically correct, because last year it should have all changed. Yeah. It should have changed, but it didn't. Gonzaga didn't even make the 30 last year. How about that? <laughs> I know. Stunk. Hashtag BYUSN Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Okay, coming up. Would you take a tourney game against North Carolina right now in the plan, or play out the rest of the season for something more? And like we told you earlier this week, three BYU Cougars in the pro football focus top 50. Anthony Tresh, one of the experts from PFF, joins us next. How did Zach Wilson almost break the grading system? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU basketball's Mark Pope's on demand, rearing after us today on BYU TV. As Coach Greg Bell recapped the Bay Area win, preview Portland and Pepperdine games, two of them. Plus a brand new Deep Blue featuring that man, Caleb Lohner, and Richard Harward is in the film room. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with Jerem Jordan. And Jerem, it's always nice to have a guy from Pro Football Focus gushing about Zach Wilson. Listen, I love uh, winning. I love uh, NFL draft projections right now. This is something we've not really had to do very much during the history of the show, is look at those. And PFF is, uh, certainly likes BYU as, as much as we do. And uh, Anthony Tresh uh, talked with me earlier this morning. He came up with that top 101 players list, as you mentioned, Spence. And uh, we talk a lot about the NFL draft. Here he is on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. All right, Anthony, we really like Zach Wilson, obviously, being here at uh, BYU. But it feels like the next uh, lover of Zach Wilson is pro football focus. You guys have been so high on him all year. What is it about him that has made him uh, one of the poster uh, children of college football this year and and, uh, maybe the number two draft pick? Yeah, I mean, he's pretty much broken our grading system. I mean, he's (laughs) recorded an elite PFF grade and what we call elites above those 90.0 
marks. Um, you know, a, a normal quarterback's lucky to get maybe one of those a year. For most quarterbacks, a good game's in the 80s. For Zach Wilson, a, a game in the 80s was a bad game because in over half of his games played, he recorded one of those elite passing grades above 90.0. Actually beat out Joe Burrow's passing grade record um, from last season. It was right around 95.8, which is really unheard of. And that's when kind of the, you know, the strength of schedule concerns kind of come in. But he did exactly what he should have should have done against this weak competition. He absolutely lit him up week in and week out. And, you know, it's unlike anything we've really ever seen. And so that's what kind of gives us, you know, a lot of confidence in him moving forward. When you look at, you know, all the tools he has to some of the off platform throws, the tight window throws. Yeah, I mean, he actually recorded a 92.7 pass grade on tight window throws. The highest before this that we've ever seen was Joe Burrow last year at 81.7. So, I mean, that was a pretty substantial difference there. I mean, he just did everything you could possibly want at a high level. Um, and it's going to be really interesting to see where he ends up falling just because um, of Justin Fields. You know, we do have a, we still love Justin Fields as the third quarterback off the board, but you kind of take into account the offense he was in. I mean, he had a significant amount of open throws, actually the lowest rated tight window throws in college football. Struggled there with some coverage rotations against Northwestern Indiana and then Clemson back in um, the CFP semifinal a couple of years ago. So we like Zach Wilson as quarterback too. Um, but we're probably, you know, the highest of, of any any network or any team on Zach Wilson. Yeah, absolutely. And full disclosure, we actually, uh, you know, plugged into Pro Football Focus and paid and got the data this year. And it's been awesome. Uh, and it's been awesome to talk to guys like you on the show throughout the year. So I want to ask you this with the NFL draft. Certainly, Zach is in the conversation for two. Uh, at one, it feels like it's Trevor Lawrence, right? But maybe Justin Fields with the Ohio State thing with Urban Meyer. And then Zach's going to be probably quarterback two or three. So where do you see him falling to potentially? Because it feels like he's not going to go out outside the top five. Yeah, I mean, I would be – you never know with the NFL draft because every year something crazy happens. You know, the whole Mitchell Trubisky thing a few years ago, Cleveland Farrell going fourth overall. I mean, there, something very weird happens every single year. Um, and this could be the situation with Zach Wilson, but I'd be very surprised if he falls past – you know, the Atlanta Falcons at the fourth overall pick, I think no matter what, you know, or even the fifth overall pick, the Bengals are not going to take a quarterback. But if for some reason, Zach Wilson, or maybe even Justin Fields is sitting there with at the fifth overall pick, there's going to be tons of teams calling trying to get that pick because the amount of, you know, need at the quarterback position this year is, you know, probably higher than it's ever been. You could probably make a reasonable case about over a third of the league would be in a market for a quarterback this season this offseason and there's kind of there's good demand in the draft but you're not going to get a whole lot there you know there's only five or six quarterbacks that have you know the high-end potential so I'd be very surprised if he escapes the top five I don't think he should escape the second overall pick I think it should be Trevor Lawrence Zach Wilson then Justin Fields at three even to Miami I mean you look at Tua Tungabaola and Justin Fields we still like Justin Fields even more as a prospect and given what we saw from Tua kind of makes sense to lean that route and then you know kind of offer Tua in a trade elsewhere but I, I would be surprised if he ends up falling past you know the fourth or fifth pick things uh, go so fast right a year ago we were not thinking Zach Wilson wouldn't be here for a senior year now we're talking about him being the highest draft pick in BYU history I mean things escalate quickly and uh, in the top 101 players you guys had Zach Wilson at number three which we affectionately called the number one non-Alabama player which was fun with Devontae Smith and Mac Jones was Zach Wilson the surprise player of the year in college football yeah, I think he has to make, you know, he has a reasonable case for it. I think Mac Jones is up there. Devonta Smith, we didn't really expect him to put up, you know, Heisman level numbers or, you know, consider him, you know, that Amari Cooper, you know, Julio Jones type of draft prospect. 
Um, before the season, well, we thought he would have an incredible year, one of the best wide receivers in college football. So I think it's Mac Jones or Zach Wilson, um, just because those two put up PFF grades like we've never seen. Like before, we I mentioned earlier, we've never seen a quarterback put, produce a single season PFF grade above 95.0. Uh, Zach Wilson, Mac Jones both did that this season. And of course, Mac Jones did it against, you know, on an all SEC schedule and then Notre Dame and then Ohio State in the college football playoffs. So that was quite impressive. Um, I think those two are probably the biggest surprise performers, but I mean, there was a lot. I mean, we saw record-breaking performance after record-breaking performance across the board at almost every position on the offensive side of the ball. We're talking with Anthony Tresh of Pro Football Focus. He's a senior college analyst here on BYU Sports Nation again. Always great to talk to you. Okay, Brady Christensen. PFF was also higher on Brady Christensen than anybody else. We're not hearing, you know, first-round grade for Brady per se, but he graded so well this year. How does he shake out in the NFL draft? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he actually broke the – that was one of the record-breaking performances, Brady Christensen. I mean, he was he was good in 2018, great 2019 this year. He was flat-out elite. I mean, he had a 96.0 PFF grade, um, which topped Finney Sewell's 2019 season as the highest Woo. we've seen, which goes back to 2014. Um, and, you know, th- this draft is very interesting because there's three positions that are stacked and better than a lot of other draft classes, but then everything else is very bad. And that just happens to be, you know, where BYU has a lot of players as quarterback, receiver, and tackle. And so when you look at Brady Christensen, there's – it's Penny Sewell, the, the number one guy. He should go top five. There's 100%. And then after that, there's five or six guys that, you know, could be – there's just going to be a, a weird string there. You know, you have Christian Darisol from Virginia Tech, Samuel Cosme from Texas, Rashawn Slater from Northwestern, Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State. There's a lot of guys jumbled up in there. And, of course, Brady Christensen. So I think, you know, when you consider all of those guys, I would put them almost in the same tier. Yeah, I think a lot of teams, and we would even two-side with the guys that went up, you know, against the Power 5 competition, as opposed to Brady Christensen, you know, who played against a, kind of a weaker schedule. But he absolutely mauled every single defensive line he faced. I mean, no one gave a run for his money. And as you can see there with the PFF grade, just three pressures allowed all year long. So, again, he did exactly what he needed to do. But we would still side with, you know, guys like Rashawn Slater, Samuel Cosme, uh, Darison Jenkins ahead of him, but still, I think he's going to be a very, you're going to get a lot of good value if he ends up being there in the second round. Yeah, I was thinking day two as well, kind of a second or third rounder. Let's talk about uh, the other guy in the top 50 of the 101 for uh, PFF. So Zach Wilson at three, Brady Christensen at eight, gnarly two dudes in the top eight. And then uh, Dax Milne was sitting at uh, what, 46 or 47. So he had a breakout year as well. Uh, how, how do you assess Zach, Dax Milne going into the draft? Yeah, I mean, I would have liked to have seen him stay another year. Um, and I don't blame him for, you know, declaring early because he's certainly not going to put up the numbers he did this year and next year. It just was not going to happen. Um, he's definitely a wild card. I think he's he may or may not end up being drafted. I think his best case is a late day three kind of pick. Um, he could help himself a little bit this offseason um, with some of the testing there. But, I mean, he he did, again, like Zach Wilson um, and Brady Christensen, he absolutely lit up the competition he faced, continuously got open. Um, the, granted, he also had a high rate of accurate targets thrown to him because Zach Wilson was just <laughs> continuously, the ball placement was always right where it needed to be. Um, but, he, I mean, Zach Wilson was impressive, um, but I don't, I don't think from a prospect standpoint he's on that same level as Zach Wilson. He's definitely not on that same level um, of Zach Wilson or Brady Christensen. And then there are a couple other guys that are interesting, perhaps draft picks, perhaps uh, undrafted free agents. And Kyrus Tonga, defensive tackle, Matt Bushman, who tore his Achilles prior to the season, but was on the radar at tight end. And then a guy like Isaiah Kafusi, a linebacker. Any of those guys pop in terms of potential draftable guys, in your opinion? 
I think they're all kind of in that Dax Milne territory where they could, and it's going to be a late day three kind of scenario um, just because, you know, they were good, but they didn't really have those types of Brady Christensen's or Zach Wilson's types of season where they were, you know, you know, week in, week out, down for down, just dominant. And, you know, the, the physical tools to come into play. So I think those, all of those guys are definitely late day three conversation. Um, but of course, worth taking the flyer on because they're great for BYU. Uh, but yeah, we, it's still not on that Brady Christensen in day two or Zach Wilson day one type of level. Tell us about how you assess a player, what goes into the scores, because we see the numbers and, and uh, they're impressive for what BYU did this year. And as you've mentioned several times, and I completely agree, uh, you know, it's BYU played a schedule that was a little easier, right? Uh, and yet took advantage and dominated. So how does that uh, go into the scoring when you assess a player based on kind of who they're playing? Yeah, so that's the, a very important thing with the, you know, looking at the player grades, just because the strength of schedule is not baked into there. So, you know, off the top of my head, if you were to look at the top 10 offensive guards in college football this year, the top nine is going to be non-power five guys, just because they played against lesser competition. It's kind of easier to dominate. Um, so, I mean, that that's an, an important thing to look at. But with the, the grading system, it's always good to look for those outliers like Brady Christensen and Zach Wilson. Those were those outliers. And take that into account when you're it's it's not the be all end all the grading system I'll, I'll admit it it's not gonna it's not going to perfectly match college to pro but it always leads you in the right direction that's why you know I, I I'm biased of course but that's why I love PFF so much in what we do here with the grading system and you know why we can you know kind of offer that help just because it leads it the people to the right people to look at and then at the end of the day you can you know dive into the tape and that's what the teams love too because they compare our database with the video and pull up, you know, certain situations and filters and find out, you know, you kind of see what kind of competition they faced, how they earned, you know, the reps. And so that that's kind of the whole, it's much more nuanced than that, but that's kind of the, the basic there. So that's an important thing too, you know, looking at it, since the strength of schedule is not baked into there, kind of looking at that and looking at the schedule compared to some of the power five guys. Obviously, having Chris Collinsworth heavily involved, which, by the way, there was a former BYU men's basketball player named Chris Collinsworth, and every Sunday night he gets, like, random tweets from people about the other Chris Collinsworth. But anyway, uh, PFF has grown a ton. I, I see it used on Sunday Night Football. I see it used all over the place. How have you seen teams use or sometimes maybe ignore, perhaps to their detriment, the information you guys put out? Yeah, it definitely varies team by team. I mean, some teams value it more. Uh, we're contracted with all 32 NFL teams for both college and pro data. Um, most of the FBS, I'd say roughly, cl- we're getting close to 100 of the 130 teams. Not quite there yet, but we're, we're getting there. We will get there eventually. Um, and it just depends, as you said, Sunday Night Football. You know, myself and a couple of other guys, we help out and do live stuff for Sunday Night Football. And we're hooked in there, helping give them the data that they want for the broadcast. Um, but yeah, the, like I mentioned earlier, the biggest thing the teams want is that video feature just because, you know, back in the day, it's, it's cutting up tape that would take hours. I mean, they we're helping them save, you know, tens of thousands of hours in the offseason just because, oh, you want to see a guy under pressure on third down. You want to watch all those dropbacks. All right. It would take days to get that before. Now you can just click two buttons and it pops up right there for you. So that that's the biggest thing the teams like. And, you know, so the, it, it's just kind of another leading factor there with all the data we have. And so some teams like to take the data, use it themselves, do some cool things. Um, but it just all depends what kind of organization they are, because there's some that are a little more analytically driven. Um, you know, you see what the Cleveland Browns are doing, but there's some 
they don't so much. Now um, I won't name some of those teams, but you know, it, it's it's inter- it's interesting to see how it's evolving because we're in the midst of a big analytical movement, and each day that goes by, you can see more and more teams adapting to that and understanding. You know, as we've seen from the fourth down play calling, you know, the Indianapolis Colts playoff game comes to mind, even though, you know, they didn't really execute very well. They made the right decision to, you know, to go for the, in those situations. So, you know, it, it's just interesting to see. And I'm really excited for the next 10 years because I think it's going to be an even larger movement than it is now. Hey, and our guy Andy Reid on fourth down as well, right? Exactly. Every, every down's a passing down. That's right. BYU, Lavelle Edwards. We love it. Well, Anthony, great stuff. We look forward to uh, catching up with you probably again before the NFL draft. Thanks for the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. That was Anthony Tresh on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. So some real insight into what could be a great draft for BYU. It's going to be, you know, several guys, just how many? Yeah, and it's fascinating to hear how they think about players and how they grade them Based on just the individual skill set, not so not so much on like, well, who are they matched up against? It's they they take that in consideration as well. But I mean, the way they analyze is next level. Like I, I believe in their grades. It's it's uh, I know they're true. Uh, it's it's fun to look at offensive linemen in a quantifiable way, which uh, it's been harder to find over the years. So. It's fun stuff. Okay, coming up, what's the chance Zach Wilson will actually be the second pick in the NFL draft? And what kind of realistic chance at a win streak remains on the horizon for BYU basketball? As in 10 straight, 11, 12? Get what? This is BYU Sports Nation. 12, 14! This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. Later today, check out BYOSN right now with Kiki Sloan. She produced a fresh episode. Of course, there are plenty of previous episodes on demand on the BYU Sports Nation social media platform. He is Jerem Jordan. I am Spencer Linton, and this is BYU Sports Nation. Let's whip it! The Cougar Whip Around presented by Visible Supply Chain Management, tackling America's most challenging shipping problem. Based on what your boy Anthony Tresh of Pro Football Focus told us, how many BYU players do you expect to be drafted? Four. I'm Woo! still on that number. Four's a lot. I've been at four for a while. I think that for sure, Zach Wilson, Brady Christensen, Kyrus Tonga get drafted. And mm. I think somebody else, somebody else there is going to go. Whether it's Dax Milne, late, uh, Matt Bushman doesn't seem likely. But I, four. I think that, that because of the season BYU had, there's a lot of notoriety there. Right. But it ends up breaking down to individuals at this point, right? Um, like Trey Lance will be a... First round pick, probably, but they played one game. Um, I'm going three. I hope it's more. I really do. But all those guys will get an opportunity. Isaac Fuss included. Maybe Chris Wilcox, Troy Warner. We'll see as well. Not in the draft, but uh, definitely free agent opportunities. BYU basketball has, as we have well documented, won a couple of straight games. And in the toughest stretch of the West Coast Conference season, the Cougars are favored in their next 10 games. How long of a win streak will BYU hoops go on? They might be favored in the next uh, 12 because uh, Gonzaga at home and that's it, right? I don't know, dude. I see BYU losing another game that isn't Gonzaga. I don't know who. I don't know when. I'm thinking maybe San Francisco at home or St. Mary's at home. I don't see BYU. Maybe Pacific's better than we think. I don't see BYU losing to anybody else. Um, So I think BYU can really rip off a nice, like, Eight, nine, ten game win streak. If BYU wins the next twelve before Gonzaga, that would be incredible. Win streaks are fun, and 
really pretty when you look at a schedule to see all those W's in a row. I like dubs. But to me, the more important thing here is if BYU can just if they if they no, I don't care where they lose, but if they can go eleven and one in the next twelve games, so it's like, oh, they only won five in a row and then seven six in a row. Who cares? You just want eleven and one yeah. in a twelve game stretch. Well, where they lose matters, you don't want a quad three or four, right? Just quad two. True. Yeah, just True. Quad, a quad two loss would be exciting. Like a San Fran St. Mary's Pacific. Would you take the Lenardi projected BYU North Carolina first? four game right now or play it out for something better? No. 100% give me the opportunity for BYU basketball to play out the season because of what we just talked about. They are favored in the next 10, 11, 12 games. BYU can earn better than a first four game because of what they've already done and the way that the schedule shakes out in front of them. BYU is going to rise so... no. Let, you say let they're going play. to rise up? Let them play. Let them play. Uh, let the boys play! Uh, yeah, I'd play it up. I do. I am intrigued by playing North Carolina, though. It's a down year for Kentucky, North Carolina, and Duke. Uh, so that'd be fun. Yeah, fun matchup. But BYU can do better. I don't want to do, I don't want to do first four. Play North Carolina in an 8-9 game over a first four game. If you want an NCAA tournament win, the first four is, is where it's at. BYU hasn't gotten it uh, recently there either. They lost the Mississippi there. Yeah, let's not talk about it. <laughs> okay, because today, uh, oh wait, I'm getting ahead of myself. Oh no, I'm not okay. Okay, I, is inauguration day. Yeah, yeah. It, it happened. Which former BYU Cougar could you see as a future president of the United States? Okay, I have a couple answers. Kelly Papinga, just based on the number 46, because 46 today. All right. Uh, Craig Cusick. Kind of presidential, organized, okay. got the look, got the haircut. Okay. Brock Trejo, who's a, one of our friends who played soccer here in the mid-2000s. And then let's not leave out the ladies. Uh, Whitney Bauer, volleyball. I think She, like, organizes well, right, as the center. <laughs> um, and then Ashley Hatch, like, a boss in charge, gets crap done. Oh, you went in depth. Yeah. Very, very well not done. Not leave out the ladies here. Okay. There'll be a female president one day. Come on. So, for me, just, just by looks alone... Like, look, the look of this guy this is how, alone. This is how Facebook started. The look of this guy alone. Elder S. Gifford Nielsen looks very <laughs> presidential to me. We already tried the uh, member of the church route. It didn't work out. <laughs> Steve Young is also a guy. Steve That's Young. Ray coming in on the sides. Okay. He's loved. He's beloved not just by BYU fans, but by the nation in general. We're a football-driven country. Oh, that that's, means- like, that's like a deep political take with Steve, by the way. Right? <laughs> I'm saying his backdrop <laughs> would allow him potentially to make a run in politics. Oh, that, that one's deep, bro. That one's deep. <laughs> yeah, those, those are my two. Okay, before they uh, cut the line on the show, uh, coming up, what's the chance Zach Wilson is, in fact, the second pick in the NFL? And what's the chance BYU basketball doesn't get to 20 wins? This is BYU Sports Nation. I have a proposition for you I want to talk about after the break. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Oh, you like touchdowns? You need to go to the BYU TV app, the place to watch recent and old BYU sports games. As many as we can get on there. Get your BYU fix on the BYU TV app today. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live from Studio B. Our guy Joe Lenardi of ESPN Bracketology has seen the light. We've got some news. He's no longer underseeding BYU. Oh, it's a bad time, Joey. BYU according to his latest tournament bracket sheet, which he updates every day on social media. Minutes ago. Minutes ago, okay. They are 
eight to last in. So they yes. are part of the last four buys now. BYU yes. is no longer in a play-in scenario. They have jumped four spots. Yes. So eighth in from fourth in yesterday to eighth in. So uh, put BYU is the 10 seed. Pope Show really did it. We really brought it last night and uh, four, four spots higher. So. Hey, do you like BYU as a 10 seed? Sounds pretty good, I huh? do. I do like BYU as a 10 seed. Let's go. Let's play What's the Chance? BYU Sports Nation asks... What's the chance? Presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event, Ben Bagley. Join the program, my friend. All right, we'll start here with some football. What's the chance? Zach Wilson is the second pick of the upcoming NFL draft. I go 50%. I just kind of sit in the middle because we've been listening to several mock drafts about that. I think maybe we've been ignoring perhaps the ones where he wasn't. But uh, I, there's a chance he's number two. If he's not two, he's going to be in the top five, man. I'm still a little bit lower on this. I say 30% because I think there's going to be some major wheeling and dealing by the New York Jets and really with uh, a number of the top eight picks. So I I don't see Zach going to New York at number two. I think he's going to be a top five pick, but I just I don't feel like New York is going to be the fit for him, especially if they get Deshaun Watson. But well, I don't, of course if they don't. Does yeah. Houston then make Sam Darnold the future quarterback well, there? Yeah, Sam Darnold's coming back to the Jets, so... Maybe four to the Falcons is the spot. I don't know. I don't know. Speculation that CBS mock draft is that the Jets pick is a placeholder, but whoever goes there will take Zach Wilson. Mm. All right, number two. What's the chance BYU will have more than three, three players drafted? I think it's uh, – I'm more on the low end on this, like 25%. I hope BYU has like five. That would be amazing. But uh, it's definitely Zach uh, Wilson and Brady Christian. No doubters. Like, you're an idiot if you think otherwise. And then it's uh, whether it's Stax Milne, Kyrus Tonga, Matt Bushman from there. I, I don't think Isaiah Kapusi gets drafted. That'd be fun. Troy Warner. Yeah, those guys won't probably won't be drafted. But if they are, fantastic. I'm 60%. I'm hoping that Matt Bushman has an unbelievable pro day and shows everyone he's healthy. Because if he does, I think that there is a team that might say, okay, we want, we want that guy. Is it enough time from the injury? We want that guy. It'll have been guy. like six or seven months. We'll see. Is that enough time? I don't know. Or individual workouts later. Yeah. I, I don't know. We'll see, but I, there's I, no NFL combine, and BYU would have had how many guys invited? Four, at least, five, at least the two. Yeah, I'm sixty percent there. Next, all right, let's switch to hoops for a second. What's the chance BYU hoops sweeps all non-Saint Zaga games this season? The non-Saint Zaga. Um, so we're throwing Saint Mary's in there. Um, I, I'm pretty high on this. I'm like eighty percent. I, I, I do see a loss in there somewhere. I, I think this BYU team's good. I, I don't think they're like win 12 in a row good, but I think, well, it'd be more than 12. BYU just won two in a row. It'd be like up to 14. I think BYU's going to lose a game in there, but it's there's a chance it happens. To do so, BYU's got to beat Pacific twice, including yeah. in Stockton in that dungeon of a gym, and it's always a little bit weird there. So The that color t- temperature is just off in there. Not enough, uh, you know, Kelvin degrees. And I... Typically, I'd be a little bit hesitant about BYU winning at San Diego, too, but San Diego's not good. No. They're just not good. So, Still, Portland's the only threat to me that's uh, not. 70% chance that BYU does this because I like their defense. Defense travels. You don't shoot the ball. Like, they beat San Francisco and St. Mary's not shooting the ball well. Yeah. Beat St. Mary's making 1-3. That's great. All right, next. next one. What's the chance the NCAA tournament is played as scheduled? Oh, I don't know, but I think it's pretty high. I would go like 94%. 
Yeah. Ninety. I'm in the nineties. There. They're not going. They're going to get there. Um, you know, as soon as they can, and then they're not, the first four aren't going to play until Thursday, and then everybody else, well, the other half, right, um, of the 64, the 32 will play on Saturday. BYU would be in a Saturday-Monday bracket, by the way. So I think it's pretty high. There's a billion dollars riding on this for the NCAA. Very sh- It'll happen. Very stringent. But will they protocols. have to delay it all is the question, so... Perhaps, but I, I think they'll figure it out. And they're going to be in a bu- they're going to create a bubble. Will all of the athletes be granted a vaccine by? <laughs> you qualify for the NCAA tournament. The NCAA say, hey, we'll pay extra so we can vaccinate all the players in the tournament. I'd be fine with that because what I really want to do is just sit down and watch these games. It's going to be it's so going to be high. In there, yeah. yeah, it's going to be high. I'm in ninety percentile. Next. All right, last one, and this one courtesy of Philip Rivers. What's the chance you've ever actually used the word "dad gummit"? In a conversation. <laughs> That'd be zero percent. I'm not from the deep south. I'm not that guy either. I'm, <laughs> I'm not, not Bobby Bowden. I'm not Philip Rivers. I'm not even my dad who's from North Carolina. And I don't think even think my dad says that. Now there's a reason we're asking this. In Philip Rivers' retirement statement, he said, quote, I appreciate the referees for putting up with all my fussing. I think I was right most of the time, Dad Gummit. <laughs> it was probably fussing, but yeah. <laughs> so I witnessed firsthand in the Chargers locker room, his teammates when he was playing at San Diego and I was working on Palm Springs, making fun of Philip Rivers for saying dadgummit and other words and never cursing. They gave him the hardest time about that. Really funny stuff. Never cursed. That's pretty good. Coming up, it's all about the shoes. And does the potential seed of BYU basketball in the NCAA tournament matter to you, BYUSN? Or is getting in the tournament enough? This is BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. BYU Sports Nation's Rise and Shoutout is presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. BYU Sports Nation, always available on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Or download the pod. You can subscribe, rate, and review as well. Our question of the day, does BYU's seeding in the NCAA tournament projected matter or is just getting into the tournament enough? At jstu50 on Twitter answers, absolutely not. Making the tournament after losing most of the starters and contributors from last year is a big deal. This team is scrappy and has proven they can hang with anybody if they don't go down big in the first five minutes. I don't. I don't know if BYU can hang with Gonzaga. I don't know if anyone can hang with Gonzaga. You know what I mean? Like maybe Baylor, uh, but Gonzaga is amazing. But that's not what BYU is aiming for. Again, BYU is playing for second. Everyone is in the league. It's okay. BYU is playing to get in the NCAA tournament. Not winning the league doesn't mean you can't do something significant. Not when the year, top of the league is Gonzaga. Right. It's just this is the best Gonzaga team ever so far. I mean, they're like the consensus number one overall pick, not a one seed, the one seed. Kyle Nelson answers on Instagram, since this is technically a rebuilding year, I just want BYU in. If BYU gets in this year, it should mean great things to come. Okay, is it a rebuilding year? I, I don't – okay, I, I disagree a little bit. BYU tried to reload, which is why they went after Matt Harms, yes. Brandon Averett. Yes, so those three seniors all have Power 5 experience. So what if I told you that BYU had transfers from Oklahoma State, Arizona, Purdue – uh, Cal, Utah, obviously Utah Valley. This like, is a like, reloading effort. Did I say Gonzaga? 
Um, yeah. Wild, right? Um, why wouldn't BYU be good? BYU is good. BYU is in, squarely in the tourney now for Lenardi. BYU is officially not on the bubble. If you're the last four... Um, or the or the last four out or in to me you're on the bubble. That's yeah. like they're, how I would. They're define eighth that. to last in. They're so not on the not bubble in. anymore. You're, you're officially There's off team by in. a little bit. That can change quickly. Like tomorrow, BYU could be the fourth team in as opposed to the eighth team in quickly. But beat the teams you're supposed to beat. BYU's yeah. going to get in. Yeah. No, I I I think BYU. I, yeah, I see where you're like, okay, BYU lost three of the top fifty or sixty five players in BYU history or whatever, two top ten scores all time. Rebuild. It's like well. Not necessarily. BYU did a good job of getting some quality uh, injection quickly. BYU it's has not, no, no um, bad losses. They have good wins and no bad losses. Mark Pope does not have a quad three or four loss, period, period. in two years. Yeah. He doesn't have a back-to-back loss in two years, period. Not bad. At some point, you got to give that credit, which I think Lenardi and the other experts are Discover doing. Discover so American Express, they're all coming in to give credit. In response, our Elite Voice of the Day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort, Michael underscore Sorensen32 answers on Instagram. If we're going to get picky, then yes. Anything but an 8-9 matchup. Amen. But first and foremost, just make the dang tournament. Yeah, and when – what? yeah, I'm screaming at uh, gummit. the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> okay, today's Rise and Shoutouts presented by Mountain Mark Freddie and guiding you forward. Last night it was uh, Jordan 1's night with the Pope Show crew. Shout-out to uh, two of the students that uh, work on the show with us, Caleb Fagan and Sydney Fleming mm. and uh, me. So, yeah, we brought the Jordan 1s last night. It was fun. We didn't even talk about it. We just showed up. Another Jordan 1 drop is happening. That hot drop on Nike is coming soon. Uh, my rising shout-out goes to Matt Bushman, who has just launched a new nonprofit organization uh, specifically to provide kids with sports opportunities. Matt's a great guy, and he's just doubling down on it. If he provided them with Jordan 1s, that'd be even better. <laughs> That's all. That'd be awesome. Give him a chance to make some money. <laughs> Our thanks to today's guest, Anthony Tresh of Pro Football Focus. Sorry to Dennis Pitta. No time. Conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag. For Jeremiah Spencer, shout out to Lance Archibald. We'll see you tomorrow on BYU Sports Nation. Go Kooks! Hope show on deck. <laughs>